0: Well, good morning, Community Life Church. It's good to be together. It's good to gather. It's good to see your faces. Uh, Those are watching online, so glad we have this opportunity to be able to provide this, to be able to watch online for sure. We definitely love that when people are on vacation, when people are not able to be in person. And of course, now, as we're coming out of COVID and things like that, um, just want you to know that we're looking forward to being able to see you in person so we can gather and be an encouragement to you and you, likewise, to us. So, welcome as we learn from God's word today. We're going to be going into Psalm chapter 22 here in just a moment, or Psalm 42 first. So, Psalm chapter 42, you can turn on your mobile devices or you can uh, open a hard copy of God's word and go to Psalm chapter 42. Last week, we began a series called I Have Questions. Can you relate? I have questions. I want to know why is this? Why is that? Why is there? People even coming into this building probably see things that are a little bit different from time to time, and they're wondering, Why'd they do that? Why did this happen? What's going on there? And we have all kinds of questions. What's remarkable when it comes to the questions that really affect the way that we do life? Last week, we learned that when people are hurting, where is God? And we asked this question, where is God? And towards the uh, end of the message, we kind of teased out this idea uh, that Scripture teaches that we are the hands and the feet of an almighty God, right? The hands and feet of Christ. So where is God? He's working through the lives of people. And so this is why it's so important that the church come together to actually be the church, encouraging, loving, supporting one another. But when people are hurting, where is God? He's right where you are. He's omnipresent. And so you can look through scripture and see that that's the case. So he's always with us. He's always there. But sometimes our feelings say otherwise. That brings us to today Our big idea for today is uh, simply, when I'm hurting, why does God feel far away? When I'm hurting, why does God feel, somebody say feel, feel far away? So we're going to try to explain this concept a little bit here uh, as we uh, play a very classic game, okay? It's simple, and everybody can participate, and you should know this right away. Uh, the way the game works is that I close my eyes, and I shout, Marco! Awesome! That's so great. So we know this so well. How many times have you played this game? We play this sometimes where we get in the pool. It's typically uh, played in, in a pool setting, and then you have the person that is yelling Marco, and they close their eyes. And, and oftentimes in our family with the kids, uh, they'll say, uh, okay, play again. Ready? Marco! We're like, don't look. I didn't. Apparently, when you open one eye, it's considered both closed. And so we play this game, Marco, Paulo. we go back and forth. But I wonder how close this is to some of the Psalms uh, that we hear from from the psalmist. They write these, and they say, I cried out. Somebody yelled Marco, and there was no response. So today, we're going to look at, when I'm hurting, why does God feel far away? When I'm hurting, why don't I get a response sometimes? When I'm hurting and I yell, Marco, why doesn't God always yell polo? So let's look through this together today in in Psalm chapter 42. We see throughout all of scripture that there are people that write, well, let's just talk about the Psalms right now. You can go through all 150 chapters of Psalms and you can see a consistent theme of somebody crying out and somebody in the next breath consistently then praising the Lord. So let's see what Psalm chapter 42 is going to teach us today. In verse 9, we begin, Oh God, my, uh, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? So at some point, the psalmist cried out, Marco, and there was no response. And so you can, you can kind of speculate that, wait a second, if I feel forgotten, that means that there's really no interaction, there's no response. So I feel, have you ever had a situation where you reached out to a friend or you send them a text or an email maybe, or you call them and you just don't get this response right away and you wonder, did they forget me? And so here there's somebody's having this relationship with the Lord and saying, they forget me? God, but here's the best thing about this conversation here is it's directed to the Lord oh God, my rock. So when you're feeling like God's far away, you can ask whatever questions you want, but go to the Lord in this. He continues, why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? They, their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged, God? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. How many have you ever had a, a, an off day where you're just thinking the world is all is, is crashing all around you? Everything's falling apart. Nothing is going right. Come on, raise your hand. Let's be real today, okay? Yeah, mm mm-hmm. mhm. We've all somebody this morning, let me know. Hey, to this morning was a morning, right? Can you relate? And then we have, a, we have a weekend, and then we get in. Sometimes we have a case of the Mondays, right? We have, these, we have a case of the Mondays. Or it's been a day. And we will think things like, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Why am I wandering around? Why are they getting the promotion and I'm not? Why do they get recognized on homecoming court and I don't? Why, 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 why don't I get these things, But here's the thing. The questions are not bad questions. We got to keep this in mind. The questions are not bad questions. But if we just sit in the questions, then we just sit in our doubt. But we then need to continue this conversation, have these questions, and then I will put my hope in God. Why am I so discouraged? I don't know, but I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. Say that last part, my Savior and my God. Do it again, my Savior and my God. You may need to wake up tomorrow morning because you're going to have a case of whatever going on inside your head, and you just need to stop what you're doing and say, my Savior and my God. Because no matter how I feel, God is still present. And so we can push past how we feel and just remember the truth that he is always with us. Let's check out another one. Uh, This one is actually written by King David uh, that was actually referred to as a man in the Bible, a man after God's own heart. Now, this was written to actually be sung. Hold on to that little gem for a moment. This was actually written to be a song. So Psalm chapter 22, you can flip over to Psalm chapter 22. And we're going to read these words. If you have a way of writing in your Bible, I encourage you to be able to underline or write uh, notes or in your mobile app, you can do the highlighting. I think if you have an account, you can highlight those, but it's always a good idea to be able to make some notes so you can go back later and see those. So we're going to start uh, Psalm 22, and we're going to look at the first couple of verses here, and I'm going to skip a few, but just stay with me. Are you ready? Say, let's go. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Marco! And there's no response. Right? You with me? Everyone's like, am I supposed to respond or not? No, don't say anything. And, And so here David's screaming, Marco! Over and over again. And he's trying to, where's, where is he? He's got to be here somewhere. And of course, I'm sure there's moments of trying to cheat the game. He's got to be out there somewhere. And he's yelling, Why, where are you? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Well, God's not far away, but we feel because we don't hear or we don't receive or we're not thinking the way that God is teaching us to think. Verse number two, every day I call to you. Every day, man, imagine if we did that. Every day I'm calling to you. Every day I'm talking to you. Every day I'm doing this. Whether you say anything or not, I just want you to know that I am here. Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Verse six, but I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. You ever have a day where you just start calling yourself a worm? Okay, maybe you don't say worm. Maybe you say, I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad son. I'm a bad teacher. I'm a bad whatever. I'm a worm is basically what you're saying here. I'm a worm. And I'm despised by all. Every person that's ever lived before, present, and future hates me. Those are rough days. Verse 7. Start underlining verse 7. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, is this the one who believes on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Underline verse 7, underline verse 8. And right next to that, probably already in your notes somewhere, like a cliff notes, Matthew 27 Write that down in there. Continuing on to verse 11, do not stray so far from me for trouble is near and no one else can help me. It's interesting that the man after God's own heart sounds like a child who is uh, a little bit distant from their parent and feels kind of lost and not really sure. And so he cries out to the Lord through this song. Where are you? What are you doing? Don't you know what's going on? Today, we we don't do that very well because we feel that crying out to the Lord is a sign of weakness and certainly not sharing it with anybody else, actually confessing our sins to one another, uh, that we would be healed through that. But the reality is, is that we need to be able to communicate with each other, have these conversations. And the first conversation you need to have is directed to the Lord. Then he continues on in verse 12, my enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls, not just bulls, but like they're coming after me. 13, like lions, they open their jaws against me. They got some serious imagery in this, don't they? Man, I am, this isn't just having a bad day. I have my enemies coming after me, ready to devour me, ready to take me out. Verse 16, my enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Uh, Verse 17, I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Underlining 16, 17, and 18. And we're looking at this then. We're going to look at Matthew 27 again here in just a moment. So he's talking about, think about this imagery. I mean, maybe you've had this moment. Maybe you didn't think about this as a pack of dogs surrounding you, but think about the, the the reality of a pack of wild dogs or animals of sorts surrounding their prey, and so then you can see the prey actually getting jittery because trying to get away from the attacker, and every time this animal turns around, you see, they see another enemy and another enemy, and they begin to close in more and more, and the prey gets more jittery and more jittery, and sometimes they just try to get out. And by the time of them trying to get out, they get attacked. And so this is the feelings that David has here that he says, are you, and it's not even so much like just processing maybe, but like, are you, are you paying attention to this? Because our feelings can wrap us up so much that we truly believe that God has left God has abandoned because he did not meet my expectations. Therefore, God must not be listening. God must not be, God must not be. And But this is what I expected God to do. And he did this. Our expectations can get us into some serious trouble. So that's why it's important for us to align with what God is doing, what God is teaching, what the truth is so that we can pray according to his will. In verse 19, O oh Lord, do not stay far away. But he doesn't stop there with these questions. He, he, he has these questions. He has these thoughts. He has these feelings, no doubt. He's feeling overwhelmed with everything going around. I bet he would feel a lot of the weight of the world on him. But he doesn't stop there. The next, the next rest of Psalm 22 is, is, is this victory. Um, Save me, snatch me, I will proclaim your name. Praise the Lord, verse 20, uh, 23. For his, for he has uh, not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. So they spend the rest talking about this victory uh, in God. Today, right, they're looking towards the Messiah back in the day. We're looking back to the Messiah today. In Christ, we can, we can see this, victor, this victory of who God really is. Now, let's talk about this idea of victory for a moment. We sing songs. Um, I'm going to see a victory. But here's where our expectations can kind of mess that up. We can often uh, get wrapped up in the teaching Uh, of name it and claim it. We talked about this before, but it's appropriate for us to bring this up again. We say, okay, this is what I want. I declare this is it. And then if it doesn't happen, there's this huge shock of unbelief, like the Lord has left me and, and I'm gone because he didn't do what I wanted him to do. But when I say, I'm just going to praise the Lord, no matter what, there will be a victory for any believer. And here's why I say this. Death is not the worst thing
1: that can happen to a believer.
0: On this side of the equation, it is horrific, horrible. We miss that loved one terribly. But the person that has now gone into glory, even if they could come back, they wouldn't. Because they're in the presence of an Almighty God. They're with Jesus. They have been perfected. And they think about this. You know, we can't even wrap our minds around this because we've not been there. But it's this idea that like we we, we just we, we see, God, you did not heal this person. Therefore, I am mad at you. And I understand why you would be mad at God, because you didn't get what you wanted. But if we can start our prayer journey with, God, this is what I'm asking for, but your will be done, not mine. Sound familiar? Anyway, Father, you could take this cup from me. Anything, but not my will, Your will be done, the words of Christ himself. So as we're praying for friends and family, let's shift our gaze a little bit. Let's shift our gaze from them being what we think they should be to just fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and just work those things out with him. God, this is what I would like to see happen. I really want them to be healed and stay here right? Isn't that what we want? But God, I choose to submit in humility now, regardless of the outcome, because I got to believe you're still paying attention. You're still on your throne, and you still know what's going on around us. So I'm going to see a victory, yeah. But believer, it's according to the will of God. So rest in the truth that he has not left us or forsaken us. Now, we're going to jump to Matthew 27. Turn over to Matthew 27. And we're going to look at some, some of these same words from Psalms 22 again. Centuries after these Psalms were first written by people who were in pain and feeling far from God, they were quoted by someone else who was in pain and feeling far from God. When Jesus was suffering and dying, he cried out to God and quoted these Psalms. Now we're going to look at these a little bit. We're going to kind of go back and forth. As we look at uh, Psalm 22, just stay with me for a minute. Psalm 22, verse 16. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing, Matthew 27, 35. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Psalm 22, verse seven. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Matthew 27, verse 39. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus you know that religious people, self-righteous people can be some of your biggest critics as a follower of Christ? And what we would say is, well, they have so many degrees and they're so smart. They've been in church their whole life. And we would try to make all these things. But you understand that as a believer, as follower of Christ, you have the same spirit that lives in you that raised Jesus from the dead, which means you work with God on these things. Now, do we need wise counsel? Yes. But not everybody that claims it has it. And so you need to have discernment. And so we have teachers of religious law and elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. Okay, Jesus, on my watch, you do this and I'll buy it. Pretty confident if he would have come down, they would have made up some other reason because they made it up after he raised from the dead. Now, that couldn't have been the thing. It was this thing. Not why it wasn't this? It was this over here. So it doesn't matter what he would have done. He knew his purpose, his will, his goal. This is what was supposed to happen here. And by his will, I mean God's will. So he wasn't supposed to. Come down. He trusted God. So let God rescue him. If he wants him. Now, it's very possible. And most likely that Jesus heard these words.
1: Imagine. Imagine for a moment. You in the
0: darkest moment of your life. And somebody with nothing but evil intentions at this point going by you and say, he trusted, let's see if they rescue him now. That's if they want him anymore. Imagine a spouse, child,
1: somebody clearly,
0: clearly not interested in loving God and loving people but focused on their own agenda, focused on what they want and just going with the crowd. For he said, I'm the son of God. Even the revolutionaries and those who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. Now, we've gotten a verse, 45. Follow with me on this. It should sound rather familiar. At noon... Darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Verse 46. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice. Now, before we say these words, you have to understand where he's at. And the, the, the incredible wording here that he was even able to do this with a loud voice. So this is at the end. Jesus has been hanging on the cross for hours. A nail, uh, most likely in his wrist, part of the hand. Not going to debate that. He, he died for our sins, you believe it or not. Nail through there, hanging. Nail through the feet, and so he, all his weight at this point had to be on his on his wrists and on his feet. And the only way he would have been able to do anything in a loud sense was that he had to push up on that nail or if they even gave him any platform beneath him and and on his arms. Enough to take a deep breath and say, Eli, Eli, Lema sabbatanai. Which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? You've heard this before, right? This is nothing new. But did you know that this was almost scripted, prophesied in Psalm 22, laid out for us? Like, what? Now, as we get into this, the biggest word
1: in his statement is "Why?"
0: Why, God? Why?" Have you asked that? Go through a tough situation, think about your whole life. Don't just think about the past couple of years, because COVID just added to the already a rough situation. And we use this question a lot, because we want to know why. And so Jesus uses this word. Let's talk through a couple ways to understand like, or to see why the why. Well, first of all, there was a real forsakenness. It, there was a real authentic forsakenness for our sake. There was the weight of the world, the weight of the sins of the world, uh, more so the full judgment of God—the judgment that we should have received, that Jesus received. Consider uh, associating how we feel in certain ways. Have you ever done? Have you ever? Have you ever sinned? You don't have to raise your hand. I know you have. <laughs> um, you've sinned, and then let's say it was a lie, or uh, you stole something. Whatever, simple. And then there's a time that goes by, you already knew you shouldn't have done it, but you did it. And then you start having something happen inside of you that makes you uneasy, right? There's this level of guilt, there's this level of conviction believer, right? And uh, the devil tries to use shame to overpower that. But have have you experienced this? You felt these feelings? That's a heavy feeling, isn't it? It's actually that feeling that eventually starts you thinking, and you can't sleep at night, and you start going, and you start, I got to make this right. I got to make this feeling go away. That was one thing of one feeling that was associated, or conviction rather, that was associated with that one time. Now, take all of your junk, just you, and place that on you. Ooh, I can't handle my whole life at once. Now take every human that has ever existed, had existed, will exist, and their junk, and let's press it down on the man Christ that is hanging on the cross in this moment. There was a real, authentic forsakenness. It was the forsakenness that we should get, but don't have to. Believers... He took it. If you're not there yet, if you haven't chosen to follow Jesus, this is what we say he rescues you from. The full judgment of a righteous God, the full wrath, which in this case means abandonment, the full wrath. Wow. Can't even imagine the weight. No wonder there was this going on inside of him for sure second thing would be not looking at an answer to the the question why rather not that jesus was really asking why but expressing the horrors of abandonment the horrors of what's going on here in this moment because of the weight of what's happening in him expressing sheer agony not expressing some sort of theological curiosity. When you're going through the worst situation you've ever experienced in your entire life, you don't sit there and go, huh, I wonder what kind of verse I could could quote. And so consider this. Jesus knew what was coming. John 18 tells us that Jesus... Fully realized all that he was was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? He asked. In the Garden of Gethsemane, they say, Where's this Jesus? Knowing fully what was coming, he stepped into that moment to receive and to be in the gap. It was not a why, but a real cry for uh, of spiritual desolation, almost a complete emptiness because of what was weighing on him. Now, watch this. The third thing.
1: These words probably didn't reflect that he really thought, but he may have felt.
0: But understanding that even in the worst situation in this moment, as horrible as it is, Let's go back to that. My bones are exposed. From the beating alone, there were probably internals exposed externally. I'm exposed to the core of who I am. As horrible as it was in that moment, it was still going according to plan.
1: It may not have been
0: fully what Jesus was thinking at some level there, right? When when he's praying and he goes, any way you could take this cup from me? But if not, your will, not mine. It was still going according to God's plan. Just because your expectations weren't met, just because it didn't happen the way you thought it should doesn't mean things are not still going according to God's plan. He was still fulfilling prophecy. What? So how in the world can he be where he is right now in this moment? Why would he say that? Maybe, just maybe, it was a reflex of what he has saturated himself with his whole life. Because as a Jew, they would have studied the Psalms excessively. They would have known them, memorized them. People that, that were Jews that heard this would have, would have been like, yeah, yeah. Those that knew the scripture would have been like, he, he's saying, is he saying that? Now, some people were confused because they thought they were, he was calling for Elijah, which he was not. But others might've been like, I know those words because he was quoting from a psalm that they knew. Now, when I'm hurting, why does God feel far away? As I read these words from Hebrews, I want you to be thinking about when I'm hurting, why does God feel far away? Verse one, long ago, God spoke to many and in in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Rightfully owned, he deserved to sit down. And he sits there by the, by the right hand of God. So if we want to know if God would abandon us when we're hurting, all we need to do is look to Jesus for an answer. When we look at him, here's what we see. God isn't far away. In Jesus, God came to earth to be close to us. God doesn't leave us when we're hurting. In Jesus, God actually came to earth in order to reach out to us. God isn't disconnected from our hurt. In Jesus, God lived a whole life on earth, then suffered and died. God doesn't, now let's, let's back up for a second. Because he died doesn't mean he ceased to exist. It means that his physical body died. That is a conversation for another time. God doesn't ignore our hurt. Jesus shows up, uh, shows us God's heart is full of compassion, care, and love for us. When I am hurting, why does God feel so far away? Because our feelings are untrustworthy to gauge our connection with God. Our feelings are untrustworthy to gauge our connection with God. You're looking at the wrong gauge. You're saying, man, I've got the feeling gauge over here, and I've got the truth gauge over here. But it feels so right to look at the feelings because I love to feel close to God. And sometimes you do have these senses of euphoria, or excitement, and, and God works with that. However, I don't know. But we cannot be guided entirely by our feelings gauge to determine how close we are to the Lord. The truth is, he has never left you. Maybe you stop talking to him. That doesn't mean he left you. It means you stop talking. It's like, a, a, let's say, a couple that lives in the same house, a married couple living in the same house, and there comes a period of time where you got used to each other, and one stops talking to the other, and that there becomes uh, not a there becomes a brokenness in the fellowship. So, so when you sin, there's this brokenness in the fellowship. Not that your salvation is gone, but that your fellowship is broken. And so, hey, sometimes you just need to cry out and see that God is still there. Our emotions can confuse us and overwhelm us. I know of a story of a dad that took his son to uh, grade school, kindergarten, and his son has experienced a, a level of trauma at some point in time. And so he took him into the school and walking down the hallway. And for some reason, it was unusually loud. It was kind of an off day. And the dad could see it all over the child and get to the locker and say, hey, we're going we're to go in. And something comes over this child that stops him. And he can't make his way into the classroom. The child is now, a big word, deregulated. Feelings are huge and overwhelming. Fear is large. Worry is huge. Emotion. So he snaps into this moment of, I got to get out of here. And so the dad and and the child leave. And they go to the office.
1: And for 45 minutes, the child tries to escape
0: because the feelings are so big. He's not paying attention to the fact that his sense of security is right there in the room after 45 minutes of scratching at the walls and and trying to push Dad out of the way,
1: finally calms down as Dad sits there and just breathes so that the child could hear sitting behind Dad Now, beginning to realize that this is my safety net, actually. Climbs
0: up into dad's lap. It's the best hug in the world. The boy wraps his legs around dad and his arms around
1: his neck. And the dad just holds this child.
0: After all these. Big, big feelings have now subsided. Now I can see reality for
1: what it is. I am safe. And my daddy is here. So when you're hurting, why does God feel so far away?
0: because your feelings are lying to you and they feel so big, you don't realize that your safety and your security is right there with you. So the imagery is that you would then sit with your heavenly father and allow him to embrace you. Now, guys, I know, not, I know this isn't the most masculine way to think about our, our father in heaven, right? Sometimes we
1: make it too fluffy, following Jesus.
0: But if you truly think about it for just a moment, if you had a caring father or a caring father figure, a mentor, you know as well as I do, being
1: next to them is so comforting to you. Am I right? But that's not the end of it.
0: Eventually, The dad had to take the child out and pass the child off to a teacher and let the child go about their day. There are times where you need to sit on your father's lap or sit next to your father and let that relationship just be a healing moment. But then you get up and you move forward being being loved on, cared for, healed up, And now get back to it, because people, we are in a battle. We are in a war, and it is not a fluffy thing. It is not a sexy thing. It is not an attractive thing. It is a difficult, hard reality that when you follow Jesus, there are people that will come up against you, and the enemy is after you. And you can't just sit on your dad's lap all day. Sometimes you sit with him. Next, you go with him into the battle, and you go after it. Don't neglect the healing and don't neglect the front line. We need both. And if you're going to choose to follow Jesus, that's actually the reality of doing it. That's the reality of what we are.
1: So, how did this dad get through it? Paused. He paused. And he took a minute.
0: And then the dad had to take some deep breaths himself. Sometimes with the kids, they get a little excited. I'll say, hey, we got to blow out the candles. And they take these deep breaths. I've showed you this before.
1: And they blow out the candles
0: one at a time. Just take a deep breath. This is the way God has wired us. This is, the why, this is why God breathed life into Adam. Breath is important. Take a minute and breathe. Move. Get up and move around a little bit. Go somewhere. You may need to uh, lift something or move something or appropriately punch something. Uh, you may need to crash your body somehow to be able to get things going. I have been known to be in my car uh, yelling at the top of my lungs little weird, but it changes the trajectory of what I'm focused on, and it begins to balance things out because my feelings were so big, and I needed them not to be so big, and so I moved. I wrote it down. I journaled. Now, you may not be a journal junkie like some, but it's important for you to write stuff down every once in a while so you can go back and see what good things God is doing in your life. Even if it's not what you thought should have happened, you can still see how God worked out those details. Next, go to your friends. Go to trusted, God-fearing people that will lead you closer to the Lord rather than trying to pull you away. You have a friend that says, well, maybe you're spending too much time at the church. That right there is gonna give you an indication that this person isn't gonna be helping with this thing. You need somebody in your life that's going to actually come around you and pray over you and seek the Lord with you. And in no particular order, go to God. Go to God. These psalms, they're, they're crying out to the Lord, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? I don't understand, but I'm going to choose to trust you anyway. You can ask those questions and then follow it up with a moment of praise. Our big idea for today, when I'm hurting, why does God feel so far away? When I'm hurting, why does God feel so far away? Because sometimes pain and fear are simply louder. But you got to remember, bring it back to the truth, he never left you. He never left you. Believer, he's with you every step of the way. Because he loves you. To go through what he went through for somebody that, eh, he's all right. No. There's a, there's, there's a, there's a, a deep love that we cannot fathom fully. This agape, agape love that Jesus gives to us. Here's our next steps. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 and 4. All praise to God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Read this again this week. Take a picture of it, write it down, mark it in your Bible, read it this week. Couple times, and then ask yourself, what do I need to do right now? Do I need comforted? Okay, then do it. Go for it. Do I need to comfort somebody else? Right? So I'm going to be, receive comfort so that I can help comfort other people. We are the church. And if we don't encourage and support one another, the world will figure out another path for you. The church of Jesus Christ is the point. So we need to keep supporting one another, guiding one another, and loving one another despite how we feel of one another. We are united in one spirit, one Lord, one baptism, one spirit, one. Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for this truth that you've given to us. Boys, so much to take in when we take your word. There could be a level of confusion, uncertainty. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will clear that up right now according to your will and your time. Clear that up, please. I pray that you will continue to work with us this week as we think through what sort of comfort we need and what sort of comfort we need to give. May we truly be your church in our community, in our home, with with the church family. Honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we all say, amen. All right, let's stand up. Receive the blessing of the Lord as we head out here today. For those of you that uh, are not familiar with the blessing at the end of a uh, message, uh, in the days of the Bible, uh, there would be oftentimes a large gathering, and whoever was speaking on the platform, pastor would just simply reach their hand out and do a blessing over the people. Uh, Here at Community Life Church, oftentimes uh, we reach back. I'm like, I need that blessing, right? So our people typically reach out to grab that. That's what's going on. So receive the blessing of the Lord as we head out here today. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now say it with me. Go and be the church.